on, Basketball Brains family? I hope y'all are having a great weekend. I'm excited to come back to you for another Basketball Brains podcast. This week, this weekend, second half of week three, we're going to keep it a little short on the reviewing games. I want I got some other stuff I want to get into for the podcast. So without further ado, we are going to start off game one of this second half of the week. The Celtics and the Heat. Celtics pulling off a 95-78 to 78 win over the Heat in Miami. He, the Heat kind of fell apart in this game, honestly. We had six Celtics over 10 points. Jalen Brown, 17 points, five rebounds, two assists, one steal, and a block. Jason Tatum for 10 points, eight rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Al Horford, 10 points, seven rebounds, one assist, two blocks. Dennis Schroeder with 14 points, five rebounds, six assists, and two steals. He is actually, he looks like he should have got paid. Maybe not as much as he was wanting, but he definitely should have got a little bit more money with how he's been playing this season. Aaron Naismith for the Celtics, 13 points, three rebounds, one assist. Romeo Langford rounded out for those six Celtics with over 10 with 12 points, two rebounds, and one assist. Only three Miami Heat players with over 10 points. Only three. Those three were Jimmy Butler, the scoring leader with 20 points. He also had four rebounds and two assists along with a steal to go along with it. Bam Adebayo with 13 points, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals, along with five turnovers, 16 points for Duncan Robinson with four rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, anything like that. The starters, just the starters alone for the Miami Heat had about 14 turnovers, 15, excuse me, 15 they had 15 turnovers, just the starters. They ended with 18 turnovers. This game, honestly, the Heat lived and died by the three. And honestly, they shot they shot really bad from the field as well. The Heat shooting 35% from the field. The Celtics weren't too much better, but they did get to 40%. The Heat shot 28 of 81 Celtics was 31 of 78. The Heat shot 41 threes, only made nine. So for 22% from the three-point line, again, they really did live and die by the three. The Celtics making 16 threes out of 41 attempts, 39% from the free throw line. The Heat made 13 of 19 attempts for 68% from the line. 17 of 20 for the Celtics for 85%. The rebound battle, 46 for Boston, 45 for the Heat. 18 turnovers for the Heat, 16 for Boston. It really came down to the Heat shot pretty bad. They shot really bad. Along with not just bad shooting, However, it was terrible three-point shooting. And the threes that the Celtics made and the extra free throws they made were really the difference in the game. That's what it really came down to. Celtics making making about seven more free throws, seven more threes, and making four more free throws. 
that's really what it was for the Heat Celtics game. Going on to our next Thursday night game, Thunder in LA taking on the Lakers, and the Lakers blow another big lead to the Thunder. The Thunder have two wins on the season. They only came to comeback wins against the Lakers. I think the Lakers are really talented, but I think their their problem is inconsistency. And it really showed out this game. Six Thunder players over 10 points. 28 for Shea Gillis-Alexander. He's been going off, especially especially against the Lakers. He had a big three walking it down from the logo to kind of to kind of set the tone that basically the game was over. And the other 10-point players, Lou Dort with 17 points, three rebounds, three assists. Lou Dort, a dog. Love that guy. 14 points for Darius Baisley, five rebounds, one assist, and a steal. 10, 10 points for Derek Favors to go along with 12 rebounds and a double-double. Off the bench, Ty Jerome, 14 points, three rebounds, three assists, one steal. And Kenrick Williams, I hope I said that name right, 13 points along with eight rebounds, two assists off the bench. And looking at the Lakers, three Lakers player over 10 points. Aside from those three Lakers players, only two Lakers were over five points. This goes back to inconsistency. They do not have consistent scorers outside of their big three, along with Carmelo from the bench. Those are the only like proven scorers. Malik Monk isn't getting as many shots as I feel he 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 should off the bench. Austin Reeves is playing pretty well for his role, but the only three players over twenty points for the Lakers. We have Anthony Davis, 29 points, along with 18 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, and 2 blocks. Russell Westbrook, 27 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, along with Carmelo off the bench, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and a block. No LeBron. The Lakers are inconsistent, and that's what it. That's what it's looking like so far early on in the season, and I don't... I don't know how long it'll take them to turn that around. It might be a trade to get a guy that might be able to turn it around. But listen to this. Only 12 points from Lakers starters that were not Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook. Only 12 points for the entire game. On the bench, we have 15 points that were not Carmelo Anthony. So that... Is not really going to get it done. Don't have consistent guys who they can go to outside of their big players. Rajon Rondo, more of a facilitator. He's not going to... He can make big plays and have big games, but as a consistent scorer, he can... I believe he is a consistent at least 8 to 10 points a game, maybe even 12. However, they don't really want him in the scoring role. That's why they got Carmelo off the bench and Malik Monk. Austin Reeves has been playing pretty well off the bench in a scoring role. But they need consistent scorers. And along with that, I think really they need that. They kind of need that sniper to go along. LeBron always has a sniper with him in a, in a 
in his starting lineup. He always finds one guy that can really shoot, and he kind of he lives off of it a lot, actually. But going back to the statistics, 43% for the Thunder, 42% for the Lakers from the field, 37% from three for the Thunder, 36% from the Lakers, 69% from the free throw line for the Thunder, making 18 of 26 free throws, 82% for the Lakers, making 14 of 17 free throws, 49 rebounds for the Lakers, and 50 for the Thunder, 16 turnovers for the Thunder, and 13 for the Lakers. Again, it was just, they kind of, just like they did in the first game, they just kind of took their foot off the accelerator, and the Thunder came back, and they they won it again. They came back from 19. Shea Gilgis-Alexander scores 11 of his 28 in the fourth quarter, and I believe I saw Kendrick Williams score 9 of his 13 in the fourth as well. So, I mean... It just goes down to they take they took their foot off the gas. They took their foot off the gas and they didn't have guys consistently scoring outside of Carmelo, Russell, and AD. The Thunder outscored the Lakers in the fourth quarter, 35 to 24. And that's how we got to where we are. I mean, it was a pretty pretty tight game, excuse me for you know my stuttering, but pretty tight game. The first quarter, first quarter, 25 points for the Lakers, 21 for OKC. Both teams with 27 in the second. The Lakers won the third quarter, 28 to 24. And then it was the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter is where the Lakers' inconsistency, inconsistency showed. And 35 points to their 24. And that's exactly how we got to where we are with it. The second win for the Thunder and the Lakers blowing another lead. Now on to Friday's game. The Cavs and the Raptors are our Friday game. Now this game wasn't really too much on my radar. I didn't really think too much of it. But the Raptors and the Cavs have been playing very good. A lot better than me or a lot of other people expected. For really two rebuilding teams. They're playing really well. Both teams, 6-4. and four. The Cavs take this game in Toronto, 102-101. And this was just a really good, it was, it was a team game by both teams. And that's, that's what it really was. There were some things that really cost the Raptors the game. But as I'm looking at the Cavs stats, we have five Cavaliers over 10 points. Four of the five Cavaliers over 15 points. We have the scoring leader, Evan Mobley, with 18 points, five rebounds, two assists, and a block. We have Jared Allen. Excuse me, Darius Garland was the scoring leader with 21 points, one rebound, eight assists, one steal. We have Jared Allen with 16 points and 15 rebounds with a double-double, along with two steals and a block. We also have off the bench, Seti Osman, 17 points. Two rebounds, two assists, and a block. Ricky Rubio, 11 points, five rebounds, four assists. Playing a very good facilitator and floor general role for the Cavaliers off the bench. Now looking at the Raptors, 
we have OG Ananobi with 23 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. Great effort player, great hustle player. He's a very big key, and I know that the Raptors really like him. Fred Van Vliet, 18 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and a steal. We have Scotty Barnes, 14 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. Love that guy, Scotty Barnes, 6'9 point guard. It's fun to watch. I really think he's going to be a big player for Toronto, and he's just going to be a big player in general in the NBA in upcoming years. Gary Trent Jr., 17 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist, along with 6 steals and 2 blocks, really playing good defense, good effort defense, and it shows in the stats. We also have Banton. I'm not sure of his first name. One second. Delano Banton. We have Delano Banton with 11 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist to round out the 5 Raptors over 10 points. And looking at this game, again, there were some things that really cost the Raptors the game. They only lost by 1 point. They had 17 more field goal attempts. 17. If one of those shots fall in, they win the game. They went to the line and shot nine free throws, only made five. Two of those free throws go in, they win the game. They won the rebound battle by five. They won a turnover battle by eight. They had so many opportunities to get it done against the Cavs and fall short. I really think that just shows it's a gritty it was a gritty performance by the Cavaliers, really showing that it looks like they wanted it more because I mean, again, one shot changes the entire outcome of this game. Kudos to both teams. They're playing great basketball, better than a lot of people thought, including myself. Very exciting to see where they are going to be as the NBA season progresses. All right, for the second half of this podcast, what I'll be doing is I'll be looking over the matchups for tonight's game. I know I'm posting this podcast tomorrow. I'm releasing it tomorrow. So for future reference, what we're most likely going to do with the Basketball Brains is we are going to the Sunday. The Sunday podcast will be the week matchups. We'll look over those games and the the midweek podcast on Thursday will be the weekend games. Now, first game I want to go over, the 76ers in Chicago taking on the Bulls. The 76ers are 7 and 2. The Bulls are 6 and 2 as of right now. ESPN matchup predictors favor the Chicago Bulls winning this game. The scoring leaders for the 76ers, Joel Embiid with 20 points per game, averaging about 41% from the field, 80% from the free throw line. The Bulls have DeMar DeRozan as their scoring leader. 27 points per game for DeMar. I believe that's fourth in the NBA. I could be wrong, but he is a top five scorer. I know that right now. DeMar DeRozan, 27 points per game. 51% from the field. 88% from the free throw line. Getting it done, shooting the basketball. Rebounding leaders, the 76ers. Andre Drummond, about nine rebounds per game. Six defensive rebounds. And three offensive rebounds a game for Drummond. The Bulls, Nikola Vucevic, 11 rebounds per game. Nine defensive rebounds, two offensive rebounds per game. 
and the assist leaders. The 76ers have Tyrese Maxey averaging about four assists per game. The Bulls have Nikola Vucevic doing it on multiple fronts for the Chicago Bulls, averaging about five assists per game. The stories for the 76ers, Matthias Thibel out for the game with COVID-19 protocols. One of the 76ers' best perimeter defenders. The last meeting, the Bulls lost to Philly 103-98 in Philadelphia. The 76ers are on a five-game winning streak. So this will be big for Chicago. And the keys to the game for the Bulls to win. The Bulls, I think, have to get out and run. Last time, last time they matched up with Philadelphia, the Bulls had 28 fast break points. It looks like they're obviously faster than Philadelphia. So, I mean, it makes sense for them to get out and run. They got a lot of really athletic guys, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, you know, and they play small too. So, Javante Green playing the four, he'll get out and run with you. So, the Bulls get out and run. The next key to win the game, make your threes. Last time they matched up, the Bulls only made six of their 21 attempts from three, 29% from the game. They need to make those shots, especially playing as a smaller team. And the third key I have, defend the perimeter. Last time they played Philly, Philly made 12 of their 28 three-point attempts for a 43% from the field. That's not going to really get it done when you're allowing NBA teams to make 43% of their three-point attempts. So Chicago has to defend the perimeter better than they did last time. The 76ers rebound better than the last matchup they had. Chicago beat Philadelphia. 47 rebounds for Chicago, 35 for the 76ers. That's not going to get it done. And honestly, you should be out-rebounding the Bulls as Again, the Bulls are a small ball playing team. So, there really isn't a reason that the Bulls should be out-rebounding you that much. Because that just comes down to, especially when you're a bigger team, it looks like, honestly, it just comes down to effort, hustle, who wants it more. Next key for the 76ers, get to the basket. They only had 36 points in the paint last matchup. They are a bigger team than the Bulls. Get to the basket. When they get to the basket, they might get fouled. Getting fouled leads to free throws. Points in the paint, you have a better you have more likely chance of getting fouled, getting a layup. You know, normally when you get to the bucket, good things happen. The Sixers need to get to the basket, convert, get more points in the paint. The third and final key for Philadelphia. Defend the paint better than they did last game. Last matchup they had 52 points in the game last time they matched up with the Bulls. 52 points in the paint. And won by, I believe, five. So anytime you you allow 52 points and you win, 52 points in the paint and you win, it's huge. Because a lot of NBA teams, if you give them 52 points in the paint, it it's honestly going to tally into your loss column more times than not. My prediction, I think Chicago wins it. I think it'll be really close down the stretch. I think the Bulls probably end up hitting a few free throws, putting them about five or more. So I think the Bulls will win it by five or 
a few more points. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but close game. I think the Bulls will take it. The next matchup we have the Celtics in Dallas taking on the Mavericks. The Celtics are four and five. The Mavericks are five and three. ESPN matchup predictor favors the Mavericks to win this game. The scoring leaders for the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown, 26 points per game, 49% from the field, 78% from the free throw line. The Mavs, Luka Doncic, Luka also leading in the other two big three categories. Luka averaging 24 points per game, 42% from the field, 69% from the line. He needs to get better shooting the free throws, especially because... He's a big player. He scores a lot. He takes a lot of shots. He will get to the line a lot. Needs to do better converting. Seeing him even at around 72, 73% from the free throw line will have drastic improvements for the Mavericks. Rebounding leaders, the Celtics, Al Horford, about 10 rebounds per game, 8 defensive rebounds per game, 2 offensive rebounds per game. Luka Doncic, the Mavericks leader, 8 rebounds per game. Around 7.8 defensive rebounds, round it up to about 8. About half an offensive rebound per game will round it up to 1. However, he does have 8 a game. The assist leaders, Dennis Schroeder for the Celtics with 6 assists per game. Dennis, I said it last podcast, really living up to... He should have been paid more than he's making right now. He shouldn't. I don't think he's one of those big contract guys like he wanted but he should be getting paid more and the Celtics got a great deal for Dennis Schroeder. Luka Doncic leading the Mavericks with seven assists per game. The stories for the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown is out. He has a hamstring injury. It is said that he may miss a couple of weeks which is huge for the Celtics because he is one of their biggest if not their biggest pieces. Josh Richardson it's a game to game a game time decision excuse me he has a foot injury. Normally, when these NBA players are listed as game time decisions, most times they'll play. But the ESPN has him listed as a game time decision with a foot injury. For the Mavericks, Maxi Kleber is out. He has a strained oblique muscle, and he is out for this game. Kristaps Porzingis is listed as a game time decision. He had a back injury. He practiced with the Mavericks earlier on this week. They are very optimistic that he'll play this game. Again, a lot of times game time decisions do play, but you never know. The keys to win. Boston, move the ball. Jalen Brown is out. Guys need to step up. I know that they have Jason Tatum. I know he'll carry a huge burden this game, scoring the basketball in the next few games that Jalen Brown is out. But... Jason Tatum cannot get it all done by himself. He needs other guys to step up to make up for what Jalen Brown is not there to produce. The next key for the Celtics, get defensive rebounds. The Mavericks are the are in the top 10 in the NBA in offensive rebounds per game. They are ninth in the NBA. And the final key for the Celtics to beat Dallas in Dallas, stop Luka Doncic. They need to cut the head off the snake, hypothetically. So much of Dallas goes through Luka. Most of, a majority of their offense goes through Luka Doncic. He's obviously a phenomenal player, but just like the Celtics, how they kind of run through 
Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, how the Nuggets run through Nikola Jokic, how a lot of these big teams run through one guy, you know. They need to slow down Luka Doncic. They cannot let him get going. The Mavericks, keys to win the game, make your shots. They're in the bottom three teams in the league in field goal percentage. They are not big on making their shots. And this is a big key. These are big keys because Dallas's biggest problem on the season has been putting the ball in the basket. Their next key is making their free throws. Again, Dallas, a bottom three team in the league in free throw percentage, I think, and making their shots in the field goal percentage and in the free throw percentage, they are 28th. Now, statistics obviously don't always show everything because the Mavericks are 5-3 and three with a winning record, but that is huge. They need to make their shots because when they play better competition, you can't be a bottom three team in the league field goal percentage and three point per, or free throw percentage wise they need to step that up put the ball in the basket and the final key for the Mavericks stop Jason Tatum key in on Jason Tatum slow him down Jalen Brown is out as I mentioned earlier most of the scoring and offense will fall on Jason Tatum slow him down he will be the biggest guy for the Celtics he will be their go-to guy and it is so vital for the for the Dallas Mavericks. Excuse me. It is so vital for the Dallas Mavericks to slow down and stop Jason Tatum to the best of their ability while Jalen Brown is out. They have a key opportunity to get a win here. My prediction, the Celtics win a close one. I think Jason Tatum will slap snap out of the slump he's in. And I think the Celtics will take this game as it will be a very close game. In the last matchup, I have the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. The Hawks are 4-5. and five, The Suns are 4-3. and three. ESPN's matchup predictors favor the Phoenix Suns to win this game. The scoring leaders, the Hawks, Trey Young, 22 points per game, 41% from the field, and 92% from the free throw line. The Suns scoring leader, Devin Booker, 23 points per game, 41% from the field, and 88% from the free throw line. The rebounding leaders for the Hawks, Clint Capella, 11 rebounds per game, at around 8 defensive rebounds per game. I say at around because he averages 7.6 defensive rebounds per game, if you want to be technical, and around 4 offensive rebounds per game. If you want to be technical, 3.7 offensive rebounds per game. The Suns' DeAndre Ayton, 11 rebounds per game, 9 defensive rebounds per game. Technically, 8.5 defensive rebounds per game, 3 offensive rebounds per game. Technically, 2.8 offensive rebounds per game. The assist leaders, the Hawks, Trey Young, 9 assists per game. The Suns' Chris Paul, 12 assists per game. I believe Chris Paul is the league leader in assists. And it's going to be a really interesting matchup for both these teams. The story for the Hawks, John Collins is a game-time decision with a foot injury. Bogdan Bogdanovich, a game-time decision with an ankle injury. Again, more times than not, these players end up playing 
in game time decisions, but you never know. For the Suns, this is huge. DeAndre Ayton is out with a lower leg injury. DeAndre Ayton leaves them in rebounds. Honestly, there's not really a guy who eats up the glass like DeAndre on the Suns. So that is a very big hole to fill for the Suns. Cameron Payne out with a hamstring injury. And these are two big stories, in my opinion. The Suns on a three-game winning streak. The Hawks on a two-game losing streak. So this will be fun to see. The keys to win for the Atlanta Hawks. Take advantage of DeAndre Ayton being out. Get points in the paint. He is their primary rim protector. He is the guy who gobbles up the glass. He's the guy who gets all the rebounds for them. Attack the glass. And honestly, it will be great for how the Hawks run their offense. They like getting to the basket with that little high pick and roll with Trey Young and Clint Capella. So this is a key opportunity to get a lot of points in the paint against Phoenix. They need to get to the free throw line. The Hawks are fifth in the NBA in free throw percentage, shooting around 82% from the line. And the last key, get and make open threes. Phoenix's defense is one of the worst defenses in the NBA at allowing three-point shots. They allow a lot of three-point shots, so you need to make your shots. Phoenix, bottom three in the league in defensive three-point percentage, so allowing the other teams three-point percentage. The keys for the Suns to win. Defend the high pick and roll with Trey Young and Clint Capella. Like I said, DeAndre Ayton's out. So this is a big game, and I know that the Hawks are drooling right now seeing that DeAndre Ayton's not going to be there protecting the rim. So find a way to defend that high pick and roll with Trey Young and Clint Capella. They love that play. Honestly, it's probably their favorite play to run. They Honestly, if you watch it, they run it about three, four, five times a quarter. So they need to focus on that play. Rebound on the defensive end. The Hawks are third in the NBA in offensive rebounds per game. So crash the glass. Do not give the Hawks second chance points. And the final one, force the Hawks to settle for shots. They are bottom half of the NBA in field goal percentage. So force the Hawks to take shots they don't want to. Obviously, they want, they want to get to the rim with the high pick and roll play with cutters. They like getting to the rim, but they also will throw up bad shots. So make them shoot those bad shots. The prediction I personally have, I think the Hawks will win it. I think, again, it's kind of like the Bulls Sixer scenario where it's close going down, free throw separated, something else separates it. I think the Hawks will end up winning by around five or so. In conclusion, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basketball Brands Podcast. We will be back at you with another podcast this Thursday for a midweek podcast. I hope the best... The rest of your day is the best of your day. (laughs) And I hope y'all have a fantastic weekend and a better week. I will see y'all again on Thursday. Stay safe. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this. It means a lot to me. So the more I come out with things, the more y'all support it. I appreciate it greatly. And I just want to say thank y'all for listening to this podcast. And I'm excited to get back to y'all with more podcasts like this. Thank you.